SolarWind Media presents Ron Schaefer's podcast. It's about time somebody blew the lid off this thing, she said. We were sitting in a booth in a white castle somewhere in central Chicago. She was on her break, wearing the homely white uniform management uses to humiliate their employees, only with a specialized adaptation to accommodate her. I was tired, having driven all the way back in my rusty VW, without taking much time out for stops. She was as grotesquely beautiful as ever, but then my vision by this time had become quite blurry. It got away. It just got away. That's what the explosion was all about, she told me. What got away? The thing. The thing in the jar. What thing in the jar? Whatever it was, they were radiating. It apparently fell off a shelf, busted through its container, got up and left. This thing is alive? It got out of the lab on its own power. I would call that alive. Where is this thing now? Don't know. It was stored in a top-secret lab that was built to look like a Hardee's. Place even sold hamburgers, I guess. But underneath it was a secret storage unit. So the explosion didn't take place on the base? No, no, it did. It was stored in a Hardee's in between experiments. They brought it to the base whenever they wanted to zap it. Just after they gave it its last shot, it jumped from the shelf and walked out. What did it look like? I'm not sure. Something about Dick and his balls. That's why I called you. I knew you'd be interested, and because I've had you in my mouth a couple of times. I appreciate that, I said, flattered. I mean about the story, not about the, well, you know what I mean. I immediately started putting two and two together, or was it two and three? What equation was I working on last time? It doesn't matter. Anyway, there it was in front of me. Dick's project. Dick and his balls. Radiation. Explosion. Top secret. Cold sore. Things were starting to piece themselves together. The image of this was rising to a head and starting to come by way of understanding of the situation, I mean. So what are they doing about it? I don't know. For anything else, you're going to have to talk to Colesore. That won't be easy. I know where he is. Why? Where is he? He skipped town. Some kind of mental breakdown. The Defense Department is looking for him, too. You have to be careful. Everybody wants a piece of this guy. But you know where he is. Yes. He told me of a secret hideout nobody else knows about. And you know because he was drunk and I blew him. Even a Nazi will open his yap under the, those conditions. So where is he? Knott's Berry Farm, under one of the rides. Which one? Hey, some of this you got to dig for yourself. What am I? Ready reference? Okay, I guess I got enough to go on. Thanks, Zelda. I get a quickie before I leave? No, I got to flip burgers. I mean... I can sneak in nearby. You got an extra hand. Shove off, man. I'm done what I could for you. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're right. I just thought maybe... Yeah, you're right. Thanks. Go get them, Tiger. Expose those assholes for what they are. What are they? Assholes. I mean, radiating shit until it walks out on the street? Come on. Yeah, you're right. Assholes. See ya. I knew I was onto something big. I just had to find Colesore before my report was complete. 
I was crossing into Texas in my trusty rusty VW when I decided to stop and call my editor. It was about time he was in on some of this. First, a word about Texas. Texas. That says it all. Whatever you're thinking, you're probably correct. I can't improve on it. I called from a payphone. Where the fuck are you? My boss, Arf Flunk, yelled into his end of the phone. I'm in Texas. Where in Texas? Does it matter? It's Texas. Turn it upside down, it's still Texas. What the fuck are you doing down there? I'm on my way to California. What the fuck is in California? I've got a scoop, Arf. A big one. I'm not paying for your ticket. I've got a car, Arf. I'm driving there. I'm not paying for your fucking gas. You're all heart, Arf. What kind of scoop? It's a big one. It's about the government radiating stuff in a lab in Los Alamos and having it come to life. Los Alamos again. That's where it started. Actually, it started with the open-air H-bomb tests, but never mind that. I've got the scoop. I'm on my way to interview the guy in charge of the whole project. He's hiding out in California. Where in California? I, I better not say. This better be good. I gotta run. I'll get back to you. If you still got a job here, really, Arf, you may want to give me a raise after this. Fuck you! I kept on heading west, occasionally sleeping in the car. My expense account was thin to begin with, and I wanted to keep to the road as much as possible. When I got to Knott's Berry Farm, I found Colesor posing as a lawn elf somewhere near the petting zoo. He was surprisingly easy to spot if you knew who and where to look. He looked frazzled. When I first approached him, addressing him as Dr. Colesor, he ran. He hid behind a dumpster, but I was able to follow him. He seemed relieved when I showed up. He was apparently expecting men in black types to grab him and arrest him. When it was just me, he recognized me immediately. Joe Tokyo, he said with something of a sigh. I'd like to talk to you for a minute, Dr. Colesor. I approached cautiously, like trying to corner a badger. Please, he said. The kids around here know me as Herpes the Elf. All right, Herpes. Can we find a nice little corner where we can talk? We're in one right now. I know, but... This one has flies. Can't help the flies. This is where they pile the deer shit. Well, if you prefer, we found a couple of hay bales to sit on. It gave us at least six feet from the dumpster and twelve feet from the deer shit. Fewer flies. First of all, I stated, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who you think I am either. I'm an elf now, not a doctor. Fine, and I'm not a Japanese tourist. Really? What brought about that change? I was always an American. I'm a reporter. I work for the National Bludgeon. I believe you've got a story to tell about something that happened in Los Alamos. It's a story I believe the public needs to know. What do you know? I believe something happened in the desert many years ago during the war against Nevada. I believe an open-air test of a hydrogen bomb went wrong somehow when an observer, a certain private Richard Head, received an overexposure from the explosion, and that he was not only killed, but his remaining parts were kept in a jar in a Hardee's in Los Alamos all these years, specifically for you, Dr. Herpes, to perform radiation experiments on, for a reason I have yet to understand, and that during one of these recent tests, something again went wrong, and the parts you were working on for this codenamed Dix project led to a lab accident and explosion releasing 
whatever you were working on into the open air, and that that is the reason for your sudden departure from the Defense Department and your newfound career as an elf. How am I doing so far? If you're guessing, you're doing a very good job. Do you plan to report all this? My editor is waiting for a story. I'd like to know more, and I'd like some confirmation on everything I just said. Of course, I work for the National Bludgeon, so we will print the story anyway, but confirmation would be nice. It's rather complicated, he said somewhat mournfully, but at the same time, he looked like he really wanted to talk. It goes something like this. Everything you said was true. We stationed troops outside the blast zone in the desert during the open air tests so we could see how diseased they'd get. One poor fellow ran out to save a doggie and got blown up in the process, but parts of him survived. In fact, the radiation seemed to have preserved it rather than cooked it. So we took it in to have it analyzed, and as it never seemed to die of its own, we used it for various experiments with radiation to see what would become of it. What parts of the private survived? His privates. The privates' privates? Yes. Was there something especially regenerative in this fellow's gonads that kept him them preserved? Something that extended their longevity with the inclusion of radiation? And what else could we learn about disease prevention and cancer and so on? We had to know. So we kept them in a special facility. Hardy's. Yes, well, it looked like Hardy's. And continued to work on them. For three decades, I was called in soon after the accident, and I've been on the case ever since. And what did you find out? The evidence has been inconclusive at best. We still don't know if this is a unique case or if it can be applied to everyone. What we do know is that from time to time, the gonads begin to glow purple. We don't know what that means. And over the years, they've been growing. Ten years ago, they were the size of a basketball. Now they're much worse. How big? Big enough to fill up the trunk of your car. I drive a VW. Big enough to fill up your car. Holy moly. So what happened with the lab explosion? It rebelled. Quite frankly, it just rebelled. How do gonads rebel? Well, now there's another little story. You see, we had another project going on at the same time as this one. Not only just as curious, but possibly quite dangerous. More dangerous than radiated gonads, I gasped. The gonads were kept in the same cell with Hitler's brain. Hitler's brain? Yes, we got a hold of Hitler's brain. How did you do that? Some low-level Russian officer put it up for auction on the black market. We bid high. He owns his own TV station in Romansk now. With all the money you must have received, he then decides to move to Murmansk? Well, who can figure people out? Anyway, we kept Hitler's brain on ice for years, and then we started experimenting with radiation on that thing, too. Well, the facility we were using was Hardy's, same as the gonads. The longer they sat there, the longer they seemed to affect each other. At least, it seems, the gonads were taking to Hitler's brain. Even though they were separated, the two were communicating to each other. I don't know how they did it. Telepathy, maybe. At least from Hitler. You know what a control freak he was. He probably ordered the gonads to activate because basically up until that time, all they did was lay around and slept like an old cat. 
Then one day, the gonads showed signs of being in a bad mood. It became more and more ill-tempered, making demands and growing. Meanwhile, Hitler's brain began to fill with all sorts of cancerous lesions. We finally had to destroy the brain. The day we did it, the gonads became enraged. That's when the explosion happened. We don't know if elements of Hitler's brain transferred to the gonads, or the gonads just got talked into a hissy fit. But it's a very unhappy set of male reproductive organs right now. Who knows what damage it can do? Where is it now? I don't know. I left. I want no part of it anymore. Who knew about all this? Who approved of it? Well, there's another little story there. It seems there's this big shot head of Kaboom Industries. The defense contractor. That's it. He was kind of funding the project all along. He's the guy who started the Kaboom Cafe, by the way, right out of school. Anyway, he became very rich. The government wasn't doing the funding. Oh, government was helping out. But it was really Kaboom Industries that had the biggest share in the outcome. They had their own agenda. Such as? They were actually hoping a nuclear war would break out. That's insane. Who would actually want a nuclear war to happen? Well, a lot of defense contractors stand to make a lot of money off of it. Kaboom being one of them. But there'd be nothing left to spend it on. Depends on how you look at it. Like what? Once things are wiped out, everything has to be rebuilt, right? If they can keep their corporate structure intact, and who says they don't have a plan for that, they are the ones in charge of all of the rebuilding. They're the ones in charge of everything. Food, shelter, clothing, manufacturing, in vitro fertilization, they'd even be in charge of making babies? Why not? If you've got your thumb on the scale of every human enterprise, why not babies too? That's not capitalism, that's gluttony. Well, to the human race, I once worked for a government that thought the same way. Who says a corporation can't? This is beyond insanity. How, why would anybody even think this way? For that, you have to talk to the CEO of Kaboom. All I know is that once this thing got loose, it started to grow again, immediately, right before our eyes. Big enough to push anybody out of the way. Left the lab, climbed the first set of stairs, rang for the elevator, got outside, stole a car, drove away. Far as I know, nobody has seen it since, but I fear it's not the last we'll ever hear of it, or see of it. It's dangerous. It's a menace. It has to be stopped, and I don't know how to do it. God help me, I don't know how to do it. He went into a depressive funk that I found hard to pull him from. Dr. Colesor, Dr. Colesor, I tried to rouse him. You've got to help. Nobody knows this thing better than you. You've got to do something. Somewhere out in the desert is a giant radioactive penis with Hitler's head on it, and we've got to kill it before it kills us. This has been SolarWind Media Presents Ron Schaefer's Podcast. Find us at solarwindmedia.com.